Welcome to the 19th ESC Every Soldier Counts podcast. Wherever you find American troops today, you find the men of the Transportation Corps. Enough and on time. That's the story we tell you today. The story of the Army Quartermaster Corps. These youthful servicemen are members of the Army's Military Police Corps. One of the most important forces behind the lines. The Army Ordnance Corps. Welcome again to the 19th ESC Every Soldier Counts podcast. I am Sergeant First Class Adam Ross, Public Affairs NCOIC for 19th Expeditionary Sustainment Command. And today we are joined by Sergeant Major Adam Bartlett from our retention team and Sergeant Major Angelia Witter from G1. Thank you for joining us today. Thank Thank you for having us. And so today we are going to be talking about a number of things related to your career and to personnel and uh, kind of new developments across the Army. So, um, Sergeant Major Witter, um, you've got a number of topics you've, you've brought here. Uh, which one do you want to start with today? Flip a coin. <laughs> <laughs> um, we could talk about the uh, OML, um, the Staff Sergeant Evaluation Board that just recently was published um, on HRC. Yeah, that's a good one. That's um, I think it's one of the first um, that these new OMLs to come out. A lot of talk about that, and they're they're going to start promoting off that. I think next month is that right? So they've already started promoting off of the Sergeant First Class Evaluation Board with the pin on date for Master Sergeants on um, one June. The Staff Sergeant OML it goes by um, each each MOS rather than releasing like in the past like an actual like who's definitely going to be promoted like releasing a, a by selection list is actually ranking from one to within their particular Mm -hmm. MOS. Yes. So the evaluation boards are now more in line with how sergeants and staff sergeants are, or specialists in sergeants are promoted to sergeant and staff sergeant Um, is based off the requirements that are needed by the army at the time. And also soldiers have to understand that even if they have an OML number of one, um, meaning they're probably the most qualified in their MOS, if they're not fully qualified, meaning time of service, um, they haven't completed the required PME, they're flagged, or whatever the case may be, uh, will not constitute an automatic promotion. And a big one there when you met, when you said fully qualified, so that's going to change come 1 October with the, the new Milper message for the time and grade requirements. So, yes. So, fully qualified just means that you have you are in a line with the step um, that the Army implemented uh, maybe about a year or so ago with the select, train, educate, and promote. So that's what we just, that's what NCOs need to understand. And not only just the NCOs, but also leaders. Um, We're so used to the legacy program where you get a sequence number and then you say, okay, I'm promotable. That is no longer the case now. Now is if you are, it's an order of merit list. And the Army is also using that order of merit list not only for selection for, for promotion, but also for selection to attend PMEs, also for selection when it comes to talking about aligning that soldier's talent um, and skills with a applicable job. And so you could be... Um the, the, the top the top ones on the OML will get the priority for going to like say SLC or MLC and so you you could be on that list but maybe not fully qualified for a few months because you haven't attended that that school yes 
That is correct. And um, what do you think are the benefits of moving to this new system, Sergeant Major? So I believe some of the benefits to moving um, is that those who are fully qualified or they have completed the assignments, they have the skill sets that they're needed for that position are being promoted based off merit. Um, under the legacy program uh, with the sequence numbers, if someone had the same rating from the board and they were both selected for promotion, then there would the selection would go based off or who would get the lowest or the highest sequence number, however you look at it, would be based off date of rank or not necessarily date of rank, but uh, date of birth um, in that case. But this is about what that soldier or what that NCO actually brings to the table. And then w with that, we also have the the MQ um, rating for something. So the only publicly released names for each MOS are the ones who got the MQ and so that's where they got basically a perfect score from the board. Is that how that? They got one of the highest scores mm -hmm. with from that particular MOS. Because you, you have to just remember that each panel consists of what that MOS is. And you know, those board members or that panel member will address um, to those other sergeant majors that this is what we're looking for. This is what constitutes a most qualified if they uh, hit the benchmarks accordingly to their MOS. And Sergeant Major Bartlett, moving to you, uh, what do you think are the positives of this this, this new move? Uh, well, I think there are positives and drawbacks. So one of the, and Sergeant Major Witter can attest to, one of the things we used to have was you would have maybe, uh, let's say out of the 42 alphas, uh, 50 people are selected for promotion. Well, if you have five to seven of those people who become disqualified for whatever the reason may be, you can't go back and move five to seven people up on the list. So one of the positives is that uh, Class 72 uh, for the Sergeant Major Academy selected 560-some-odd people. 130 of them declined to go uh, for whatever reason. So now, uh, if we did not have this system, that would be 130 Sergeant Major fills uh, for after Class 72 graduates in which we would not have uh, predictability. So that's a positive. One of the drawbacks um, uh, is let's say I wasn't selected first or second time on the legacy system. I didn't know where I fell, you know, cause the only people who, who you knew exactly where they, where they placed were the, uh, those who had a sequence number. Right. So I didn't know if 200 people competed, they only selected 50. I didn't know whether I was number 51 or number 200. Uh, didn't know if I was on the brinker or not because those board members, uh, uh sign a non-disclosure agreement where they can't talk about the board proceedings, uh, in detail. Well, now what you have, now that person who did not know if they were number 51 or 200 now knows they are number 200. That's a significant emotional event mm -hmm. <laughs> of, of f finding out that, hey, you know what? Maybe I'm not as good as I thought I was. Um, the other uh, issue I think that comes about is predictability. Before, I knew if I had a sequence number of 50, I would get promoted, whether within 12, 18, 20, <laughs> almost 24 <laughs> months like yourself. Uh, but I knew at some point I'm going to get promoted. Now I could be number five to, to the point about the MQ. I could be number five on an OML that only promotes three people that year. Now I'm back into the OML process for the next year where I might be number 17 uh, because new people are coming in. So there's, there's not a lot of predictability there uh, to know whether or not you're going to get promoted. And now some soldiers are going to make that decision, like those 130 from the USASMA class that said, hey, you want me to go to school, spend time definitely away from family, whether they're there with you or not, because it's a school environment. And now I don't know if I'm even going to get promoted at the end of the day. 
you know, uh, I may still retire as a master sergeant with sergeant major credit. So uh, those are just a couple kind of the thoughts that I've seen just in the early going of the evaluation process. Mm-hmm. And uh, what, what, did, what did you want to talk about uh, today, Sergeant Major? Uh, so I just want to talk a little bit about kind of hand in hand, uh, the board process, um, uh, a little bit kind of of the OML. Um, I think a lot of people don't understand the board process. Uh, and so what happens is uh, people focus on evaluations, uh, uh, which is good. You know, your evaluation is your report card now that we've um, uh, taken DA photo out uh, and some of these other things that 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 gives that evaluation even more importance and significance. And so understanding what qualifies with the new NCOER, to me, it's still new. You know, there are things that I see on there and I learn new things every day uh, of how that works is young non-commissioned officers, even at the sergeant level where it's just met standard or did not meet standard, having that knowledge and understanding of NCOERs uh, and how that plays into later on a OML evaluation board and, and stuff like that. So and so, um, yeah, I, the HRC website has a lot of good resources, like show kind of explaining the board process, demystifying a lot of it. So what do you think is one of the common misconceptions then about enlisted boards? So I think a lot of it goes down to we came in under a certain system 20 years ago. Um, there were a lot of myths about it. You know, that hey, somebody came in with these are my five and I, I'm going to select my five guys and, you know, whatever case may be. Um, I think... It's understanding the evaluation, what represents uh, far exceeds the standard, exceeds the standard, met standard. We're all pretty clear on what did not meet the standard means. Uh, But understanding what you have to do to be successful in your particular MOS. Uh, For example, I I talk to people all the time about uh, promotions, and I say, hey, I'm I'm a 79 Sierra. So when I was competing for uh, Sergeant First Class and Master Sergeant, I had a 42 Alpha on my board. I had a finance on my board, a JAG core person. I think the chaplain's on there. Uh, you know, seven or eight different MOSs, the band, recruiters. How we tailor our evaluation sometimes, uh, we look at maybe what's important as a public affairs NCO, right? Mm-hmm. Um, who else sits on that board, though? I'm not asking, but just as an example. How does your evaluation talk to the other board members on how you integrate with those particular MOSs. Oftentimes, if you want to kind of guarantee yourself a seat at the table, that's what you have to do. So for me, as I was coming up, I work with the G1 here all the time. I also work with my S1. So those other board members, it doesn't matter whether you're a 79, a 42, a 89, who else sits on those boards and how do you interface with them on a daily basis and how you articulate that on an NCOER will definitely put you more competitive, right? Mm. 42s might not know exactly what the 79 does, but if I put on my NCOER coordinated with the S1 to reduce uh, turnaround time on orders process or whatever case may be, now that 42 SAR major CSM that's sitting on the board said, oh, wow, they work with my guys. you know. Uh, and so sometimes it's, it's some of the smaller things that we don't really look at. Um, most people, most non-commissioned officers do well at their job if they're competing for a promotion. Got it. You know, hey, I write reenlistment contracts. I do reclassification actions. Got it. But I'm only really talking to one board member at that point. How do I interface with the finance office? Oh, guess what? Me and Sergeant Major Boynton talk all the time about soldiers' pay and being here past their ETS. How can I articulate that on NCOER? So to me, that's one of the, I won't say a misconception, but it's one of the things that people don't think about when they prepare their evaluation. So you need to um, be proactive about looking and see who, what other MOSs are on your board 
and look at how you can speak their language too on on your evaluation. You're not just looking, communicating it to your MOS, but, but other ones. Too. Absolutely. And if you look at it from a, um, I'll use the semi-centralized board process, which myself and Sergeant Major Witter sit on every month. You don't just focus on the one board member that might have something that does with your job, right? Uh, if, if I'm a medic, right, if I'm a 68 series, I'm not just going to tailor my preparation for this board to the person that has first aid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Guess what? I have to know what NCOERs are. I have to know uh, uh, the APFT, ACFT standards. Uh, I have to know awards and decorations. Uh, yeah, it's me. It's pretty much a G1 specific board. It looked like at some point. But but the reality is we don't prepare our sergeants and our, our specialists and sergeants to only talk to one board member. But when we become seniors, all of a sudden, all we care about is, you know, uh, that one board member. Uh, who we, we generally have somebody who, who has sat on a board who gives us kind of the overview at some point when you start going to training. But we don't prepare for that. We don't prepare our younger, uh, soon-to-be non-commissioned officers like that. And so going forward, I tell everybody who wants to listen, talk to all the board members like you would at a semi-centralized promotion board, and I guarantee you you are going to compete better than you're competing now. I will also offer that I think it has a lot to do with understanding how to extend your influence beyond the chain of command. I think also uh, NCOs don't get that exposure to other MOSs until they go to the Sergeant Majors Academy. And that's when it becomes a almost an importance to understand that it is a lot of those uh, MOS's combat arms that will sit on those nominative boards. And that is when, and I think we do our NCO Corps a disservice by not explaining that process um, early on in the career to say, hey, uh, you about to be a sergeant. Now is the time to learn how to extend your influence beyond the chain of command. How do you get out into those challenging MOS's that will expose you to those combat arm MOS's or those MOS's that are not, um, say, public affairs or 42 alpha or 79 um sierra so i think that is something that we do need to do we probably need to do better with taking care of our nco core and so would you suggest um should you keep that consideration in mind when looking at next assignments like going to places that would expose you to other mos's like multifunction brigades or how, how do you expose yourself then to i think ways to ex- soldiers and ncos can expose themselves to other mos's is take those challenging assignments a lot of uh soldiers shy away from drill sergeant but there are a lot of combat arms that go to be drill sergeants um a lot of soldiers shy away from doing recruiting but there are a melting pot of mos's that go to recruiting I'm talking about 88 series uh 79 series um 68 series that you normally probably wouldn't have those exposures to. Um, also take on the assignments of going to, um, is it the SFAB? The S- yes, the SFAB. SFAB, which is the another brigade or battalion that they can go to and get that integration to those MOSs. And um, one thing that, that I've been told repeatedly, like in the AARs from the boards, is like each board member has access to the the DA PAM that shows what the career progression should be. So like I think most NCOs have seen that, like it's like, oh, by the time you're staff sergeant, you should do these things. And so all the board members are looking at that too. And so that that should play into how you look for your next assignment. So the yes. So the forty two alpha sixty that would sit on the panel will give a brief give a briefing according to the DA PAM and say these are the this is what makes that forty two alpha 30 most qualified. Um, if they did these MOSs, if they have this much time in their actual career, 
actual field, um, being an S1, a brigade S1, a G1, um, that is what sets them apart from their peers. So not only does the 42 Alpha does that, but also um, the 36 Bravo 60 that's sitting on the board. They will also explain to that panel, this is what makes that particular Sergeant First Class most qualified. This is what makes that Master Sergeant most qualified. So... Um, not only I would also offer not to just do a job just to meet a benchmark because you're trying to work for the next promotion. I think sometimes uh, that can get lost in translation as well. And, and I would add on to that, you know, the, uh, just to kind of piggyback off of what she said there at the end. The career map shows you uh, how to be competitive. Um, and, you know, I think we're going to talk about the ask them here in a little bit. Uh, but. At the end of the day, I tell people, you have to understand what your purpose is in a unit, right? And if you chase positions, sometimes you miss your purpose, right? And and so here, as as it's it's definitely known, uh, I operated outside of the retention realm uh, <laughs> uh, quite a bit, you know, based off of what my purpose was and what the CG tasked me to do. Um, I am an example of a person, at least in my MOS, who did not hold two key billet positions that traditionally are required to make sergeant major it wasn't because i didn't want to do it or i didn't volunteer i went where the army told me to go you know i rarely get my hands involved in the assignment process hey I'm, i go wherever i gotta go um and so i say that to say to those who, who listen to this podcast figure out what makes you relevant and what your purpose is in that organization and be the best non-commissioned officer not the best 42 alpha not the best 79 not the best 46 be the best non-commissioned officer and leader inside of your organization articulate that properly on your ncoer and you will be competitive for promotion it's not all about the drill sergeant badge or the instructor badge or the recruiter badge or career counselor badge it's about being the best leader you can be in your organization meeting your your commander or platoon or whoever's intent um, and, and do the right things while you're in that organization, articulate it correctly on the NCOER, and you'll still be competitive. Sounds good. And uh, with that, we're going to take a short break, and we're going to come back and talk about, sorry, Major mentioned ASCOM and some other topics here right on the Every Soldier Counts podcast. Are you a new soldier looking to explore Korea? Or maybe a soldier who's been here for a while and is running out of things to do? I'm PFC Nathan Ertz, and I'm your 19th DSC Boss Rep. Boss stands for Better Opportunities for Single Soldiers. We have events like every other Thursday, we have a bowling night at your local bowling alley. We have a Korean cooking class where you can learn to make kimbap, ramen, and other Korean food, as well as a diving class that will get you certified to go diving at one of Korea's many beaches. For more information, please visit our Facebook page at Boss Area 4 or find me in your unit. And we're back on the Every Soldier Counts podcast. Sergeant First Class Adam Ross. I'm joined again by Sergeant Major Adam Bartlett with our retention team and Sergeant Major Angelia Witter with G1. And so uh, when we stopped Sergeant Major Bartlett, you were talking about uh, 
boards, and we were talking about with this new system with the OML, the the MQs is a term we're going to be familiar with. Uh, so what what has jumped out to you seeing these trends for MQs? Okay, so wanted to want to just uh, delve a little bit uh, deeper into the board, uh, how they rate records, what's the highest score you can get, what's the lowest score, what are these scores? really mean, uh, which is kind of interesting because a soldier generally does not know their score, uh, how they score on the board. Anyway, the highest score someone can get is a six plus uh, on, a, on a board file review. Um, uh, the lowest they can get is a one. Uh, one means uh, denied continued service, no potential for continued service, and basically you're not qualified for retention, uh, which is going to lead to some bad stuff happening probably the next 180 days after that. Uh, now, I will say that generally, um, that should not come as a galloping shock to the non-commissioned officer when they're uh, not qualified for retention. Normally, that means they they have a general officer memorandum of reprimand. They have an Article 15. Uh, they've done something, so generally not a galloping shock. Uh, uh, two, uh, gets into retain but do not promote. Basically, a weak performer lacks experience uh, or qualifications. And if a master sergeant gets a rating of a two on the evaluation board, they are not eligible for sergeant major course attendance. So it's good to good information to know. Uh, and like I say, basically that means you're not fully qualified. Uh, at that time, you're, you're given the notice from headquarters, Department of the Army, and if you get a subsequent not qualified, uh, then you will be separated in 180 days uh, after that board convenes. Three, uh, getting into the threes through sixes, all right? So a three is uh, promote if there's a uh, requirement. Basically, hey, you're an average performer potential, right? I'm going to pause for a quick second there to say that average, and a lot of people don't like to hear that. When you start talking average, mediocre, met standard, uh, bottom line is, by definition, 50 to 60% of the Army should be average. Uh, that's how you establish what's above average, what's below average is kind of known. Um, generally, people will, should, in a good system, fall into the three or four range. Four, I mean, promote with peers, still a solid performer, good potential. Again, probably uh, two, two met standards maybe on the NCOER, a couple uh, uh, exceed standard, maybe one far exceeds. Uh, that puts you in the three or four range. Uh, five, promote ahead of peers, outstanding performer, outstanding potential. In order to get a most qualified, right, you have to score on average a 5.5 or higher uh, across that, that board panel, right? So when you see that MQ that's on uh, the, the release list of the fully qualified list, if someone has a most qualified next to them, that means they averaged a 5.5 or higher score on this scale of one to six, okay? Uh, so those are people who, again, don't know exactly how they scored on the board, but we do know they scored at least a 5.5, uh, which is pretty remarkable. Um, not all MOSs have. I, I don't, I'm not on the board, so I can't tell why somebody would not or why MOS would not have at least one most qualified. Um, my, my intuition says that if we had 10 people in this room right now, and somebody said, all right, sorry, Major Bartlett, rank them one through 10. Somebody's going to be number one. To me, that's my most thats my most qualified person. Now, if you take my one and put them with 20 others from throughout the ESC and put them in there, they might not be the ESC's number one, but that's my number one, right? Uh, and so when you kind of take that logic and you think about uh, uh, how these board proceedings are happening, uh, 79 Sierra had five MQs on the Master Sergeant Evaluation Board uh, for Class 72. Five. 11 series, I think, didn't have one. Uh, and there were some MOSs that didn't have one. So it kind of, it does make you kind of think. Now, it could be that 79 Sierra's performed better than 42 Alphas. 
on the board. And so therefore on that, we had five MQs. No, 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 no slight towards you. Don't worry about it. <laughs> uh, but, but it's important that we understand kind of how that, how that operates. Somebody could get a fully qualified as a three minus still be fully qualified for promotion. Now their chances of getting promoted, probably not very likely. Uh, but guess what? You could have an MOS that maybe all of them were fours. And now that person who had a four plus on the board is going to get promoted because they didn't have anybody above them. Uh, so just wanted to kind of break that down, uh, what, what that means when you start talking about not fully qualified for retention, not fully qualified, fully qualified, and then those most qualifi- qualified people with the 5.5 or higher. And uh, we were in the board process. The senior, we've always we we're always told that the senior rater comments are the ones that board members pay the most attention to. So, Sergeant Major Rader, um, can you talk about soldiers engaging with their senior raters? Uh, kind of how that's um, something we train our junior NCOs to do. So, I think uh, the senior rater has to create their environment in in as it pertains to ensuring that that rated soldier can come and talk to them and say, "Hey, uh, what are your your expectations, what would it take to get the the most qualified? What does it take to get a qualified in your books? I think it's just an open dialogue that sometimes have, in some instances are initiated by the senior rater, and then in some instances the rated NCO has to initiate that. Um, I know we talked during the break in reference to what if there's distance between the rated NCO and the senior rater. I think it just goes back to finding those ways to open or create that um, communication channel. We have so much technology at our disposal now, whether that that's MS Teams, whether or not that's WhatsApp, whether or not that's Facebook, whatever. We have so many um, technology means at our disposal that there isn't an excuse or a reason why that dialogue cannot be created. Um, sometimes it may even come to the point where if, let's say, the rated NCO is at Fort Bend in Georgia and the senior rater happens to be at Fort Belvoir, Virginia, if funding allows in that unit for that rated NCO to say, hey, I'm going to just take a take a TDY, I'm going to go sit down with um, my command sergeant major, I'm going to go sit down with my senior rater, and we're going to ha- and have some discussion. I think that rated NCOs need to um, utilize that capabilities to their, to their strength or to their um, benefit. I will also offer that that is something that we have to do better with taking care of our NCO core with as well and letting the junior NCO know that, okay, you're coming in and this is what kind of what right looks like. And that will probably make life easier for the senior raider too. Like when, when they if they have a face and a you know personality to attach with these the comments that they're seeing from the raider. Yes, especially when we create that environment. If there is a conflict between the rated NCO and the raider, um, that senior raider is by definition is the one that's supposed to say, okay, I see both sides, and this is where I'm at. And it also provides the opportunity for that senior raider to say. I can't make you as the raider change your comments, but this is how I view it. Um, they're kind of the buffer, the middle person, if there is a conflict. So a lot of, uh, we all know that as the rated NCO, our only job on the evaluation is to check and make sure and verify that our admin data is correct. But I also will offer that it is also important for us to have some our hands into our career. And we know that as we get ready to go to the centralized boards, once we become um, staff sergeants and we're starting to get evaluated, we know that that one piece of paper is our career um, and we must take uh, the necessary steps to be involved in it. 
Yeah, and I would add too, you know, the senior Raider, uh, those comments weigh the most heavily on a promotion board. Uh, part of that is because what the Raider puts on there uh, generally is, uh, I don't want to say emotion-driven, but but that Raider's the person who is directly with that person, especially when you get to the senior ranks. Uh, they they want to get that person promoted, or maybe they don't, you know. Uh, but the senior Raider is supposed to be the balance of that. Um, one thing that I tell a lot of people is, you have to know your senior Raider's expectations. What, and it's and it's okay to ask the senior Raider when you get there as an initial part of the initial counseling. What will it take to get most qualified? You know, uh, what 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 does that look like? Now that senior Raider may divulge to you, I don't have a most qualified to give because they're locked at twenty four percent. If they give. Uh, their first person, the most qualified, it takes seven more evaluations before they can give another one. Uh, so sometimes people want to hold it, you know. Uh, sometimes it's, well, hey, you're number one right now, but if I give you this number one, I can't give anybody else the most qualified for six, seven more evaluations. Uh, so understanding those expectations, and, you know, something that, that I picked up a few years ago, I'll ask my senior rater, who's the best sergeant major you've you've had? What does that look like, you know? And then that person, generally, we know who our number one person was at those ranks, you know, uh, and they'll tell you, well, hey, the number one master sergeant or sergeant first class I had was this person, you know, they they did da 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 And then you have kind of that conversation of, okay, all right, so that's in their mental model what their number one sergeant first class they've worked with in 22 years looks like. Okay, what are some things that I can take away from that? And then how do I build to be in the top 10%, uh, top five, or whatever the case may be? So it, it – it definitely helps to be able to have that open dialogue. And like Sergeant Major Witter said, sometimes you, you might not be co-located. Or you're in this headquarters and people are running, you know, every which way, every day. Um, whenever you do get that opportunity, whether it's five minutes, ten minutes, update them on what you've been doing, uh, your progress, what are your main uh, uh, goals and objectives. And it, it just makes it a, a better process to where you're not caught off guard when they say you're number five out of five sergeant first classes I, I senior rate. And they're like, wait, wait. You know, it's too late once, that, once that's once that been put on there. It's pretty much too late uh, to be able to do that. And it doesn't require a negative counseling to be number five out of five. You may be a four plus according to the board process, but I got a six and, and a couple fives in there. And that's just kind of where you stack. So uh, when it comes to the senior rater, it's important that it's enumerated, that those comments uh, reflect an accurate uh, opinion, not the cookie cutter stuff, you know, related to that particular non-commissioned officer. Hey, this is what I see and kind of go on about it. Yeah, and I would say, Sergeant Major, too, uh, my first staff sergeant in COER, I, I never met my senior raider or my raider. I, I, I ne- they were 3,000 miles away. So, you know, I wish that I had taken a more, you know, proactive approach that even, even um, you know, I thought my work would stand for itself. And so even though I had really good bullets, again, like you said, the board may not be seeing, really taking the time to go through all those bullets. They're just looking at what the senior raider says. Um, so, Sergeant Major Witter, well, we were also going to talk about the new ASCOM uh, system for assignments. Um, so ask them that stands for enlisted marketplace for it's, it's similar to the, the, the officer system aim. Yes. So basically the NCOs who are within the, um, so ask them does stand for, um, assignment satisfaction key enlisted mar- uh, module. So we're currently in, um, the market now for the enlisted, which closes on the 8th of June at midnight, Eastern Standard Time. Um, it's an opportunity for NCOs who are eligible for movement to have some impact on their career, have some say so in what ne- what's the next assignment. 
And how it was explained to me a little bit, because there's a, there's a lot of information out there about it, again, on the HRC website. So previously we had ask assignment satisfaction key, and that factored somewhat into what your next assignment could be. But the, the ask them um, is just kind of like a, a larger version of that, like a supercharged version where you can see, actually see what assignments are available. Right? So yes, with the ask, if you go in, you give preference on what duty station, uh, you, you get your three top preferences, which is Fort Stewart, Fort Gordon, um, or Fort Belvoir. However, with the ask them, um, module or enlisted module, essentially what happens is you see what requisitions are out there um, and you're able to go in there and place your preference. So if there are 10 assignments that are available during your time to move, you go in there, you rank, say, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. Um, there are also broadening assignments out there that soldiers can make sure. It will outline what is the operating and it will also outline what is the broadening assignments. And so what, what has your experience been so far with, with a couple of these iterations of, of, the, of the marketplace? Soldiers generally had a good experience with it? I haven't heard any complaints about um, whether or not they have any gripes about it. I think it is a way to create transparency between HRC, the talent manager, the HRC, and also the soldiers. They have It also provides a better predictability, especially for those soldiers that have families in reference to when it's time for them to move, where they're going to go. Spouses can start looking for places for that soldier, for that soldier and their family to live, whatever the case may be. So it creates some transparency. And I think it's a good way to say that soldiers have some involvement in their career. It's not waiting to, it's time for them to re-enlist to say, okay, I want to go here. Um, it actually starts then. And in Korea, we know when we're, we have our D-Rows, we know when we're going to leave. But I think especially like in a CONUS environment where you're like, well, maybe I'm going to be moving at this time. Or maybe now you have like an actual year month date of when you're going to be expected to be moving. So the year month is when that soldier is available to move. And then of course, with the module now, they're able to have a better, uh, what date they can expect to move, what month and time expects you to move. So just because they're available to move, doesn't mean they're going to move on the date they're available. They may move after the AVAL date or the available date, but they may also move before, and that's all contingent on what the Army's requirements are, what the Army's needs are. And um, Sergeant Major uh, Bartlett, what, what, what do you tell soldiers when they're, they're thinking about like potential next assignments? Okay, so one of the changes that came about when we started this enlisted marketplace uh, was retention said, well, what about us? Um, and so one thing they did do, uh, the mid-career non-commissioned officers are not in ask them. Um, they will come to retention and still process as before. So that was kind of the agreement that was made between uh, retention reclassification branch and, uh, and HRC, uh, whatever office manages, the movement assignment managers, was it allows us to still be able to do what we do uh, as career counselors and talk to those mid-career non-commissioned officers who otherwise would fall into the ask them, and then we kind of run that. Now, uh, one of the things that we have not reconciled, and then we, we continue to engage HRC, and we hope one day we'll get an answer, where does talent management fit into this process? Uh, if I'm number one through 10 on an OML, I should not theoretically be seeing the same assignments as whoever's number 150 and 160. Uh, how they are reconciling talent management with the enlisted marketplace still kind of is, is, is murky waters um, because 
if, if you're applying talent management to moves, then I should get a higher priority assignment. If I'm number one and she's number 30, I should get a higher priority assignment. Uh, how they decide who comes to Korea. And, and you know, and, uh, I think Sergeant Major Witter will cover a little later about uh, where your OML number factors into uh, even as you PCS and, and get assignment, you know, and, and how uh, when you talk about uh, staff sergeant, sergeant first class, uh, how does that gaining G1 uh, CSM through enlisted talent management at the local level assign that person uh, within the organization? Uh, you know, because as I look at Ask Them, Ask Them kind of gives you a location, uh, may give you a brigade. Uh, I'm, I'm not 100%. It talks about the replacement. Like if someone is has a, they see a requisition for Korea, it would just say 19th uh, replacement. That's what it say. It doesn't necessarily, it doesn't go all the way down to the brigade. So like 19th has several battalions. So like a soldier that an NCO that would likely end up at like 25th transportation battalion, they would still see just 19th replacement. Uh, okay. Yes, absolutely. And so it doesn't tell you whether you're going to be a platoon sergeant, a section sergeant, uh, as we start to get these sergeants first class in uh, detachment sergeant, or maybe even a vacant first sergeant position. It doesn't tell you all of that. It just gives you that replacement. Uh, for that particular DMSL, I think is as far down as it goes. Um, so then there's still the talent management requirement, HRC sending them to a location, and then that senior command, G1, CSM, talent management process, placing that person in an assignment. So still kind of some, it, it is a good process. We just have not really been able to reconcile talent management from when a soldier goes in to ask them and sees that location with that DMSL brigade what does that translate to them as far as talent management? And do you know, is that where branch managers come into? Like, can they give this, the, the NCO more uh, clarity on what the assignment would be? So the branch manager can't trump the local CSM. Uh, generally, brigade CSMs are going to manage a lot of this, this personnel uh, that's in ASCOM uh, once they get where they're going. So the branch manager is more the location. Um, they may have some idea of what position may be opening, especially when you start talking about uh, sergeant first class or master sergeant. Um, but it's still not; it's still on that local G one to actually assign them to a position. And I also would uh, venture to say that it's also about communication. So with the OML, with the evaluation boards, we do not know what that where that NCO is on the OML. So if that NCO would like to disclose that I am number X out of 200, um, whether or not that's number three out of 200 or number 199 out of 200, that NCO is has that right to disclose that information. Um, I also would say that with talent management, just because we have the Ask Them Now does not say that the NCO cannot call their talent manager at HRC and say, okay, I'm thinking about going here. What are the pros and cons? Based on what you see in my records, Am I competitive if I take this assignment or if I rank this assignment or this requisition as number one versus number six? So the, uh, the, the branch managers still have a role to play in it because they, I think when a lot of people think about ask them, they, it, it seems it sounds like an automated system almost. But the, the branch managers still can advise the soldiers yeah, on what, what for the best in their career where, where they should Yes, because essentially they are the talent manager. They are the ones that say, okay, when we when we look at your the MOS in its entirety, 
And if this, let's just say the NCO go calls their talent manager and say, okay, I understand that based off this last evaluation board, I am number 50 out of 60. What do I need to do? What assignments should I take to improve my OML standing? But also the NCO has to understand that with that evaluation board, where you are today will not, may not be where you are next year since it's an annual evaluation. Um, if the soldier has not taking a broadening assignment, maybe getting that input or that advice from not only the talent manager, but maybe that command sergeant major, maybe that uh, platoon sergeant say, okay, or first sergeant, where this is where I'm at, um, or having a mentor, this is where I'm at, what's going to make me more competitive? These are the assignments. And if that NCO hasn't taken a broadening assignment, we never know that might have been, that may be the deciding factor on whether or not they remain at the their current OML standing, whether or not they go down their OML standing, or it may be even the thing that pushes them forward in their OML standing. Right. And, you know, when you talk about the assignment process, there, there's two two elements at play, generally. Needs of the Army, personal preferences, right? Uh, one of the biggest knocks on the previous before the uh, marketplace was I call branch, they tell me I can go, go to Fort Drum. You know, I can only go to Fort Polk, not not paid in those assignments. Those just aren't in my top uh, 50 locations. Right. So uh, so it gave it gives a little bit more transparency of, hey, this is what is available. This is what you are. You're still kind of competing in the marketplace. Guess what? They, they may have 10 locations starting with Hawaii and Savannah, Georgia, and those great locations ending with Fort Polk, Fort Drum, NTC, whatever the case may be. Somebody's going to wind up going to NTC. And, and the chances of, unless there's a personal preference at play of somebody saying, I want to go to NTC, out of 10 people, you might have zero that select NTC. The bottom line is somebody's going to NTC uh, because that is the needs of the Army. Now, part of where we go with that conversation is a third element, which is career enhancement. How do I enhance my career and my career development in line with needs of the Army and balancing personal preferences? And that's where those talent managers at HRC, your local career counselor, retention office, says, hey, you know, I know you want to go to Hawaii, uh, but you do know you were in Hawaii for 10 consecutive years some kind of a way. Uh, if you want to remain competitive for promotion, maybe you need to go be a drill sergeant. Maybe you need to go uh, recruiting and do a enhancing, a broadening assignment. Uh, so that, that still kind of is that play, but it, your number two priorities when it comes to assignment, number one, it will always be needs of the Army. Uh, and then number two is the personal preferences of that service member going forward. And so, yeah, the, the I, I see what you mean, Sergeant Major, with, with transparency, because I think the, and Sergeant Major Witter mentioned it too, like even like the nominative positions, um, which um, in the past you may not even have known about, you know, just talking with the old system, those are all going to be beyond there. So it'll open up, you know, a lot of people's eyes to those other assignments. Absolutely. Uh, you know, I was at First Army for three years. I had no clue what First Army was until I got there. Uh, and I didn't go there until I had 15 years in the Army. And it was like, oh, wow, we have a whole three-star command that does this, you know. Uh, and then you hear about the uh, ROTC stuff, uh, the ACRC, uh, and kind of those other cadet command kind of assignments where you're like, wow, I didn't know that those existed. Uh, you know, so it does definitely open that up. Uh, it creates a little bit more work for my office because now we have to talk to people about these other places. And, hey, what does that mean as far as com uh, competitive for promotion while doing that broadening assignment as well? I think also the 
um, the bonus of having this ask them is not only does it create transparency, it affords the NCO the opportunity to do research. Um, is this the best location for my family? Like we do have to think about how those assignments are going to impact our families if we have families. Um, how does this play a part in my career? Is this probably the best assignment? And just being able to just say, okay, I'm going to do the research. This is my number one preference. I've had this discussion with my family if I'm married or if I have children. This is what we believe would be best for our family, but also um, best for my career and hopefully meet the intent of the Army. And Sergeant Major, you said you had a, a Milper message uh, hot off the press you wanted to mention. Yes. So I know we're currently in PCS uh, season. Um, so there is a mail per message that just came out yesterday in the state's mail per message 21-180, which um, talks about the outlines of reporting times and early arrival for our soldiers that are PCS and back to the states. Um if a soldier is not authorized early reporting coming out of uh, Korea, they need to ensure that they understand that they have to report on their report date um, and not before then. If they're seeking to report early um, to submit their curtailment requests or uh, even a um, approval for early reporting to get that authorized through their local chain of command. And so I imagine that's only for soldiers leaving Korea or any OCONUS assignment coming to Conus. So if early reporting is, is authorized, that soldier is authorized to report to Korea within between the AVAL date and the authorization, the AVAL date and the reporting date. If early reporting is not authorized, they have to report here on the report date. So look, when you have your orders, pay close attention to whether it says early reporting is authorized. authorized. And it may say 30 days um, early reporting authorized. It may say 60 days. So just make sure soldiers understand to look in look at their orders and read them in their entirety. And that's another thing too, where you, you really need to communicate with your gaining unit if you want to report early, even, even if it says uh, early report authorized, you still want to be communicating with your unit in Korea. Now, if I need a 42 alpha, <laughs> I'm not going to turn that down <laughs> to report early or whatever the case may be. Um, sometimes it just depends on what the situation is. Sometimes early reporting has absolutely nothing to do with, uh, the gaining unit, it may have more so to do with, do I need to enroll my children in school um, on time? Uh, does my spouse have a job that is opening up and this is the date they want to report? So sometimes early reporting, if it's not in the orders and you go through your you go through your S1s or your G1s to process the paperwork and get it up to HRC, that will have to be the explanation. The explanation is because my spouse starts work on such, such date or because I'm trying to enroll my my children in school but in korea too with quarantine and everything we we'd love love to know when someone is is, is arriving too in country to help with the, the reception and quarantine now that part with communication leaving from the states is crucial to ensuring that we have visibility on who is going into the quarantine who uh received their vaccination who's only going to do the meet the the gates at camp humphreys and who we know will be in quarantine because they were not fully vaccinated before they got here to the state got here to korea excuse me okay all right lots of good information um anything else we didn't hit that we want to include well, you know, I could stay here and talk all day, but, you know, uh, uh, no, I, I I thought it was pretty good. I, I think I've got everything. That yes. I and Sergeant Major Bartlett, want to wish you good luck in your next assignment. Thank you for uh, everything you've done here at 19th ESC. You're, I know your time here is very short. Yes, very short, uh, extremely short. Uh, uh, I'm going to 
probably the number one location I wanted to go to, which is Hawaii. So, you know, uh, I'll be sure to send postcards back to the 19th ESC. Okay. Well, and uh, good luck to you as well. Sergeant Major Witter, we've got you here for a little bit longer. Um, so we're going to maybe we'll have you back one more time on the podcast. Awesome, you know? South. All right. All right. Well, uh, thanks again to our guests. And um, we'll talk to you once again here on the 19th ESC Every Soldier Counts podcast. If you haven't subscribed yet on your podcast app, please do so. And we'll talk to you next time on the Every Soldier Counts podcast. Thank you.